In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Good morning, Cleveland. It's a big episode. It's an episode of growth. It's an episode. I've got my co-host, Jack, on the line. Jack, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Paul? I'm very good. I would like to announce we have another co-host on the show. We would like to introduce Ian Right, Right, Right to the team. Ian, how are you, sir? I am good. I am good. And it is definitely a pleasure of mine uh, to be given a title so prestigious as that one. Excellent. No, me and Jack, obviously, we met in London and we love your work. You, you bring another dimension. You, you actually know what's going on versus me and Jack. That was a joke. But yeah, you, uh, you certainly uh, know your stuff. And uh, a lot of people have com- uh, commented that they love listening to you on the show. So we thought... You bought yourself a mic. It was only the right thing to do was to uh, bring you on board. So thank you very much, Ian. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. And, you know, I I love to contribute. So it's great to share as much as I can with all the people that listen. So it is an honor of mine. Some of you listeners may be worried that we're not going to have so much Jack on the uh, show, but that's not the case. Uh, Me and myself and Jack have been speaking. So we're still going to be doing the Jack and Paul show normally on a Sunday and then Jack's still going to be doing a cap show. And if Jack wants to do any more, the options are always there. Yeah, I know it's there. It's just uh, six months ago, started a new job and uh, a lot less time on my hands. So uh, there's less tweeting, there's less podcasting, but uh, I'm still here. So uh, yeah, you'll be getting a Tuesday cap show, a Sunday Paul and Jack show. Obviously with all that stuff, it always gets tweaked, um, odd times, different weeks, but uh, that is the plan and we'll see how it goes. And it's sort of wider than just a cap show now. It's sort of a three-year look ahead at different position rooms. We had quarterbacks last week, running backs yesterday, and we're just um, flowing through and doing all the way through the roster. And then I'll do just some interesting things that come up. And with Ian, Ian will be on with the, uh, the first show after the game. So that'll be more than likely be a Monday. Look forward to it. Excellent. And just to let everyone know, over the last couple of weeks, I've been traveling quite a lot. But now I'm going to really inject and get some of them big guests back on. So I think starting off with uh, this week, we're going to have Jake Burns back on. We're going to have some more international guests. Get the show open up to listeners and really set the podcast in the next gear so um my traveling's over now it's all about the podcast but anyway less about the podcast more about game day let's start off with jack how the injuries looking at yesterday the list looked longer than my arm it has been a crazy long list so um we had david njoku who's moved to injury reserve and justin burris was um elevated to the roster then we've also had um, Kirko has been added to the injury reserve and Willie Harvey um, has been called up to the squad. 
We've had Elijah Maguire um, has been added to the practice squad. And just to let everyone know how injury reserve works, it's eight weeks you have to be on injury reserve. Not eight games, it's eight weeks. And then after them eight weeks, you can call two players back up um, off the entire injury reserve. And that's only players on the injury reserve after the start of the season. So it's why we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, Forbes was left on the roster till just after cut down day and then moved in and we re-signed Greg Robinson. Um, But no, two players can get called back. There's a growing list now. um, And it was just going to be a case of what positions they need most, who's the most talented players there. And also where we're at as a team, um, because who knows, eight weeks is a long way away. It's over half the season gone. Um, so it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. There's going to be a lot of good players to choose from. Ian, how are you feeling about losing Njuku for the whole, well, half of the season? Well, when you watch that live, you know, you saw him come down on, your, on his head and you kind of worried right away. I'm like, oh, hopefully that's not a neck injury. So I guess the silver lining is they're saying, there's, you know, an, an undisclosed wrist injury. Surgery is not needed, which is good. Um, so that tells you it's probably some small bone in there, um, which is good because the tight end position is obviously very thin. Um, but the one thing to add to Jack is we also have, you know, Callaway and we have Kareem Hunt coming off the suspension list. You know, so we're going to have a lot of roster movement over the next uh, two weeks, bringing Callaway back. And then at that eight-week mark with Kareem Hunt. Who do you think is going to get, Jack, who do you think is going to get the most of the snaps at I-10? Obviously, Harris, do you see um, Pharrell Brown coming in or the other guy that's taking quite a lot of snaps? I've, I've forgotten his name. So, other- Ricky Seals-Jones is, I think, the one that's probably going to get there. Demetrius Harris, um, I think, at the moment, remains the number one tight end on the roster. Pete Smith actually wrote an article that I think could point to a sensible direction to go, especially when Callaway's back, is using Jarvis Landry as sort of a hybrid tight end. Um, He can get in there and block and sort of do a chip block and go. So even though he's not a traditional tight end as you line up on a roster, you could definitely have him sort of chip blocking and doing other stuff because it is by far the strongest part of his game. It's his run blocking and other skills. So I would consider just using him to sort of get in the way almost and then go and release and he can still do short yardage catches um but just add in that extra little bit of protection um so i wouldn't surprise you. he's not going to move full time to be in the tight end but uh he can definitely do some odd little bits and pieces in there and it, it could be an interesting one to keep an eye on and mm. how do you see it panning out today against the rams so much to Jack was saying about the tight end personnel, I actually think this may force Freddie to go back to a staple he had last year, going with either the 21 personnel or even the 22 personnel um, later on down the line. Because without having the Joku where you have somebody that's going to stretch the seam, you could almost bring in Farrell Brown and um, Demetrius Harris and then kind of play off of one of each other. So we may see a little bit more of a tight end blocking personnel that's coming out for the next games. I don't know if they're going to run that out against the Rams now. This may be one of those ones where the Rams defense is one of those ones where you want to kind of spread them out. Matthews isn't great in coverage. Dante Fowler's more of a rusher. So I could honestly see them going a little bit more of a four wide receiver set in this game coming up. Interesting. And um, 
how do you see the defense uh, lining up? Um, we've got a lot of injuries in the secondary, a lot. Yeah, the entire starting secondary is out or questionable, which is not a good place to be against what you would consider is the most highly used 11 personnel pass happy. Hang on a minute, Jack. Hang on. We've got Joe Schobert. He can do it all. Yeah, Joe Schobert's a great coverage linebacker. He doesn't sort of cover for an outside corner or a <laughs> safety. Um, so it's one of those that it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, it's going to be a hell of a test they're going to be put up against. Um, but it is definitely a uh, serious concern. But it's one week. At the end of the day, um, I said before the season, I think this would be our biggest loss of the season. Obviously, I didn't guess what would happen against the Titans. But it's not a game we were expecting to come in a steamroll. It's one that I just want the Browns to be competitive this early on in the season. And if we're that, I, I consider that that's okay. Um, we're going to get better as the year progresses. So it's going to be tough when... There was the amount of injuries in the secondary. I thought, oh, we're going to play three linebacker sets and sort of put in some extra stuff there. And then with Kirko down injured, you're almost hoping you've got enough in the secondary that you can play dime nearly the entire game. So it's not an ideal world um, either way. It's going to be a bit of a uh, bodge job and just seeing what we can do as a team. Ian, can you see any of these people on the uh, injury list actually playing tomorrow, especially in the secondary? The Morgan Burnett one, I think he's one that's going to suit up and play. The hamstring issues for Greedy and for Denzel, I think those maybe look precautionary. I'd monitor. Um, I don't know if they've come out with reports of whether or not they practice today, but I kind of maybe see them sticking with that big nickel where they run the two linebackers and then the five uh, – five in the secondary where they bring in that third safety you know they had um whitehead jermaine whitehead playing last game the rams don't really have a i mean tyler higby and they have gerald everett as their tight ends neither of those guys are really going to scare you um they'll make catches they'll move the chains but i could see the browns kind of maybe just relying on rushing four because golf is one of those guys if you can get him moving up moving around his accuracy wanes as he moves around the pocket. Where he really picks people apart are Cooper Cup over the middle, Brandon Cooks on short, quick passing routes. So if we can force them into some long-developing pass plays, I think that gives Garrett, Vernon, and the, you know, the, fr the front four really time to get home. That's probably our best chance of success on that one because I think if we start – trying to maybe blitz Mac Wilson or Showbird or one of these guys, we may get burned with a one-on-one -on -one coverage on the outside. So I really see them maybe going with a zone in the back end and really just kind of bringing the house up front, hoping that we can get pressure with four. Because their offensive line, I mean, their left tackle, I believe, is 36 or 37 years old, and their right tackle is graded one of the worst in the NFL. So I really think that Garrett and Vernon can wreak some havoc. Uh, on the front of that Rams offense. So I think disruption is really going to be the key uh, tomorrow night. And how do we see it lining up in the secondary? Mitchell, T uh, CJ Carey, Burnett, mm, Murray. Who would be the fifth person there, you think? Whitehead, probably. Jack, have you seen anything? Sorry. Go. Have you seen anything on um, Ward or Greedy practicing today? Um, I haven't seen anything yet. I think it's going to be more one of those that I could see them both starting the game potentially and then 
They might just be in very limited snaps. They might take them out. Um, it could easily be one where they start with a secondary and by the end of the first quarter, three of those starting, say five, are not playing anymore. So I think they're going to probably go for it with the start and start with a much stronger lineup. But just because those players start, don't be surprised if they're gone a handful of them by the end of the first quarter or by the half. So it's going to be one just to keep an eye on. Yeah, great. And um, anything yeah. else, guys, you want to add about the uh, game? What are we expecting? How are we seeing Baker expect to play? I, think- I have one for you guys. I'm curious what your take is on this. And Jack, I'll, I'll get to you. When you look at the, the Vegas lines on this one, the Browns are only a three, three and a half point underdog with an over under of near 48. So Vegas obviously thinks there's going to be points in this game, but you'd think with a depleted defense like we had in the shaking start that we've come out with on offense, I saw when I saw three, three and a half, I mean, that's basically saying that they're going to even game on neutral field. I just, I see this game being a little bit closer than people think. Vegas knows something that we don't know there. Yeah, I checked the line yesterday expecting to see after i saw all the injuries in the secondary i checked expecting to see minus 6.5 um to the rams obviously um that's where i expect the line so i was surprised it's minus three it just uh bet 365 have moved to minus 3.5 today so yeah it was definitely one that surprised me i've texted a few people yesterday just to say is Am I missing something? Um, but if you look at all the games, in terms of teams on the road, uh, it's only uh, the Rams and I believe it's Chicago that are favoured um, by minus three or more. So it's quite a strong line for Vegas. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely going to want to keep an eye on. I think in terms of the Browns' offence, it's going to come down to have they changed the mentality of get to the line quicker use motion and get the ball out within 2.5 seconds if you're doing those three things on a regular basis and it won't be every snap so don't get annoyed that the first few snaps it might not happen if you do those three i'd say more than 66 percent of the time you're going to be in with a really good shot of winning this game it's just going to be about being quick give baker time at the line and use motion so you can start to see is it zone is it man that sort of stuff can really benefit a young quarterback. I've got a consider- yeah, I've got I a theory that I thought about this week, and you may laugh at this, guys, but I thought maybe we played in a certain way against the Jets to fool the Rams into false security. Like, Baker holding the ball as long as he did, that's not like Baker. Did he do that on purpose just to fool the Rams in thinking he's going to be holding it on to a long time and then – um, on game day, he's just going to go back to his usual way and surprise the Rams. What do you think about that, Jack? I don't think that was the case. I think oh. the defensive coordinators have been very smart against him. Um, they've sort of disguised what they were doing, which is, is surprising for Greg Williams because it's always a 4-3 with at least 12 players rushing the uh, quarterback the way he plays. But um, I think think it's Wade Phillips is a fantastic defensive coordinator he's going to be disguising a lot of stuff as well um I think getting the ball out has been an issue because they're wanting that play to develop and looking for that big win um 
looking for that sort of 20, 30 yard pass rather than there's loads of stuff open for sort of five to 12 yards. Just throw it. Let's keep moving the lines. And you've got players in there that obviously Nchoku's not there anymore, but he's a yak monster. Give him the ball and you might only throw it three yards, but that you throw it to him three yard gain and then suddenly he makes it into 12. You've got to get the ball into these players' hands and let them go. Um, Baker needs to stop moving around in the pocket quite as much. Sometimes, I don't know if it's just he doesn't trust the um, O-line. There's been some people throwing back some of his old college tape of how he moved around a bit too much. Um, he just needs to calm down a little bit, get the ball out quicker. And some of that's got to come from Freddie and Munkin. I think they need to sit down, get their heads together and just sort of give Baker some quick outs. And I think the biggest um, player on offense, other than Higgins, on terms of this game, isn't for me OBJ, it's Higgins. If Higgins is out there and Baker can throw the ball at him as his safety blanket and get that ball out quick and always know where it is, I think that's going to make the biggest difference into winning this game. And that's not to take, say Higgins is better than OBJ. He's not. But it's the mentality of Baker when Higgins is out there. Um, I think you see a different player from Baker Mayfield. Yeah, really good point there, Jack. What's your view on that, Ian? So much to Jack's point, I think that it's kind of one of those things where we're two weeks into the season. Week one, we went up against a veteran defensive coordinator in Dean Pease with the Titans. And Mike Vrabel also, who has a background at Ohio State, is predominantly proficient with the front seven. Um, and then he went on to Greg Williams, who knew somebody. So I think, like I said on Monday, you had two guys that understood what Baker was trying to do with the ball, cut off that first read. And I think forced him to kind of maybe hold the ball so the plays would develop a little bit longer. The Rams are the exact opposite in the sense of Wade Phillips, again, veteran defensive coordinator, one of the top in the league. But they've got six guys that are just going to bring the house. I mean, you've got Matthews, who's a rusher, Fowler, who's a rusher, Brockers. You've got Aaron Donald. I mean, you've got guys that are going to force Baker Mayfield to get rid of the ball. If Baker Mayfield thinks he's going to hold on to the ball for, you know, 2.8, 3, 3.2 seconds, he's going to be on the ground. So I think this game plan is going to be a short, consolidated, much to Jack's point, getting the ball out quick. I mean, if we go back and look at the Giants game, the pass to OBJ that went for 90 yards, I mean, the ball was out in, what, a little over a second and a bit. So getting the ball out into these playmakers' hands and letting them make things happen in space is definitely going to be part of the game plan. I can't see them really thinking – we're going to be able to maintain blocks for, you know, three seconds plus against that Rams front seven. I mean, they're going to be coming all day. Ian, where can you see the weaknesses to the Rams? If you go back and look at the Rams in week one against Carolina, in the second half, a depleted Cam Newton was able to score, you know, I think over 20, 21 or 27 points against them uh, just in the second half. So if you get back with the idea of throwing – Marcus Peters, I think, gets a good reputation because he has a good number of interceptions. But if you go back and watch him against, say, like Michael Thomas from the Saints or anytime he's up against the top receiver, he gets dusted. I mean, he's good in zone. He's not very good in man. He sits back. He cherry pecks, gets some good interceptions, wants nothing to do with tackling. Aqib Tlaib's getting up there in age. I mean, if you have a guy like Jarvis Landry and they try to match Tlaib on him, which my guess is they'll probably put Tlaib on Beckham, I just think we have a strong advantage in the outside. I know that these are named guys, household names, but when you have the skill level and the speed of 
Beckham, Landry, and like Jack even said with Higgins underneath, I mean, you have Nickel Roby Coleman trying to guard Rashard Higgins. I think that's a matchup nightmare for the Rams. Jack, have you got any input on that at all, mate? Yeah, I think um, it's one, it's how they can hold him down. And games can quickly change because you only need one pass. There was that sort of small mistake uh, from the Jets and OBJ scored, was it 89? It was was 80-something yard touchdown. So the game can flip quickly. It's just going to be about converting chances and it's all just about little wins. Um, You're going to see some clever scheme stuff. So um, the Rams were, were never the last couple of years been good at running the ball in terms of against a loaded box of seven. What they do well is they spread it out with their 11 personnel. They wait until you've only got five or six people in the box and they'll run the ball on you, which is a very effective way to run the ball. And that's something that is, as long as you can close that down, it forces them to throw. Goff's um, splits, when you look at just on the road, is woeful. He is not that good a quarterback. The hype is just not real. Sean McVay is a fantastic um, offensive mind. He gets the run game going by working the numbers. Passing the ball is very effective. Um, Can we disguise and cover what we're doing? Because what he'll regularly do is they'll get uh, Goff to the line really early. They'll, why they can still talk to him, because I think it's 15 seconds they turn the mics off. They, he'll just, decipher the uh, defense for him and he'll just tell Goff, oh, here's what's going to happen. And then Goff goes and throws the ball. If you trick him and he doesn't know what's going to happen, then suddenly you can just go to town on the guy because the guy doesn't really, he's just an average quarterback. Um, And I know some people have considered that slander. I don't really rate Goff at all. I think Sean McVay is a brilliant mind. Um, And the thing is just make Goff throw it. Obviously, that's not the best thing in the world with our damaged secondary. But if the secondary can hold together, make him throw it, disguise what you're doing, and um, the guy will make mistakes. There will definitely be at least an interception for the Browns, if not two. Um, It's just can we take advantage and score on those interceptions? Ian, do you rate Goff any higher than Jack? I think Goff is good, not great. When he was coming out of the draft process, I really liked him. And I think Sean McVay is a perfect pair for him. But also don't forget, Steve Wilkes faced these guys twice last year. So he has a good understanding of what they're going to do. Now, obviously, he has a different personnel here in Cleveland than he did in Arizona. But I think that at least having a defensive coordinator that's familiar with that. And also, Paul, I'm not sure if you remember, if you watched the Super Bowl or not, Bill Belichick's defensive schemes gave Jared Goff fits. Like Jack was saying, when the mics go off at 15 seconds, the Patriots ran. They were switching up their defensive formations. They were running motion. I mean, they were moving and shaking all over the place, and Goff had no idea what to do. Now, obviously, I know Brandon Cooks got knocked out of that game, so he wasn't there. But at the end of the day, that vaunted Rams offense put up three points against you know the Patriots of the Super Bowl. So they are definitely you know susceptible to – different schemes, different disguises. I think that you can be very creative against them. And like I said, with that weak point at the offensive line, Goff's strengths are sitting back, you know, letting plays develop and being an accurate throw of the ball. The minute you start getting pressure on him, he, I would say he's a bottom half of the league quarterback at that point. All right, guys, let's talk about Brown, all the other stuff that's been going on this week in a minute. Shall we do score predictions? 
score predictions that's cute i'll let you go first paul because i need to think oh you're so kind i'm gonna go with a browns win 21 20 and i think it's gonna be a really close game you do love that score line it's a nice score that's why ian as our guest i i think that Austin Seibert goes three for three. I think the Browns find the end zone three times. And I think the Browns pull out a late win 30 to 28. Ooh, that'd be a great game. And Jack? I'm going to go Browns 24, Rams 31. I oh, Jack. We're going to get How could beat. you do that? The podcast was going so well. Hey, uh, I'm here for the... Uh, the truth, the truth, and nothing but the truth. Um, I, yeah, I, I would love to see a win. Uh, I just can't see it. Um, I think if we were at full strength, then I might sort of argue it. We, we might even be missing Hubbard, um, who's a name we haven't covered. He's questionable. Um, what that then does for the O-line, who knows? Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be a really tough game. We're, we're playing uh, one of the top five teams in the league, I would say. Um, certainly one of the top sort of five offences in the league against a banged-up secondary. That's going to hurt. Ian, do you think Jack's uh, prediction's fair? Or? I, I definitely see. I would say that I would take the Browns in the points. I don't think that we're going to be at a point where it's some runaway victory. I mean, even after all the injuries, I just – I see the Browns keeping it close. You know, if they do fall, it's going to be a close game. I just – I don't see one where it's a 35-13 game. Um, I think the Browns are going to be able to move the ball. I think this is going to be the game that we look back and say, all right, this is where Baker started getting things together. I think he's going to look appreciably better in this game than he did the other two. So, if they don't come out on top, I really want to just see some consistency in the offense. I want to see the identity get formed. But I do think that we keep it within a you know a three four point game. But I just I just have a feeling the energy, the atmosphere, Browns are going to get a late score and just come out with a victory. You know, obviously I'm the glasses half full, the Kool Aid drinker of the Browns, but I just foresee the Browns uh, pulling this one out in uh, a likely Cleveland fashion. I think I was at this game last year because I was at the Joe Thomas uh, Ring of whatever it was. Oh, I forgot it's called Ring of Fire or um, Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. That's it. And uh, tomorrow's Clay Matthews. So um, yeah, I think it's gonna be. I think the, the stadium's gonna be absolutely buzzing. It's gonna be even louder than it was against the Titans. And uh, yeah, I think the Browns are gonna win it. But guys, we're running out of time. Let's let's talk about some of the things that have come up this week that we haven't really discussed on the podcast. Starting off with Ramsey, Jack. Would you want Ramsey in this team? And if so, what would you be willing to trade up for? So you're never going to say, no, you don't want a player as talented as Ramsey. What you're willing to give up now, that is a completely different argument. He's got two years of controlled salary left, sort of in his fourth year and his fifth year option. It's not a trade the Jags are willing to take, but the highest I'd be willing to go is a second. Um, I would then have him for a year and the remaining remainder of this season. And then I would let him hit free agency and take the third as a comp pick back. Um, the Jags are never saying yes to that. So I would happily just let the guy walk. I was willing to do a first for Minka just because it's a longer um, rookie deal left. But um, no, I, I, 
lots of people are saying they don't want him to go to the Ravens. I really want to see him go to the Ravens because if they're paying two first for him, it means the rest of their roster is not going to be as good. So good luck, Ravens. Give two first for Ramsey and let me be a happy man. How about Jack? A second and Corbett. So just a second. (laughs) (laughs) That's not very nice, Jack. Ian, what's your views? I I I appreciate Jalen Ramsey's talent. He is a very talented corner. I'm not a big fan of him. I didn't really like him at Florida State. He's gotten thrown out of practices there. He's had issues with coaching. Now he's disrespected by a front office that wants to make him the highest paid corner in the league. I just, while I appreciate his talent on the field, I just think that that may introduce another personality in the locker room that I'm not really interested in that. Obviously, if they're going to give them away for peanuts, that's one thing. But anywhere near the price that they want to pay, you know, I, I don't have much interest in them. Yeah, and one thing I would just add on the Ramsey stuff, it also matches with Greedy and with Ward, is they're all man corners, really. Um, and I don't know if that's something that Wilkes needs to work on. Um, I want to see the Browns playing more man. Um, I don't know if that's, one of the reasons why Ward hasn't been quite as effective, get up there, get them involved and um, let them go for it. So um, we've got that depth at corner. So man, you're going to get more knackered during the game. You can bring in Terrence Mitchell and you can rotate a bit more. So I want to see the sort of Wilkes move more from a sort of uh, zone defense to a man defense because he's come in, the D line's got better, the linebackers have got better, but the secondary has gone down the pan. So um it is something I'd like to see more from Wilkes. And while we're playing zone, there is no point really adding Ramsey for two first because you're not going to get the Ramsey that we've seen be at an uh, incredibly high-performing level. My point on this is I'm really concerned giving up a first when we need the first for the O-line. So um, I'm just uh, – we don't really need – I know he's great talent, he's good value for money, but I don't think uh, it should be our priority at the moment. Let's move on, guys. Antonio Brown. Wow. He's been at three clubs so far in the season. So with AB, um, if he comes back this season, I think it's between the Browns and the Seahawks. Um, I don't want him, um, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Those were sort of the two other teams rumoured with lots of people to be the, the leaders of the hunt along with the Pats. So keep an eye out for it. Don't be surprised. We've seen from the Kareem Hunt stuff that it's not something Dorsey's that worried about. I think it might be a case of it'll be a few weeks and they'll want to see sort of what comes out legal-wise before making a move. But don't be surprised if you see him uh, join the team. It's not really a position we need more players, but if he just wants to sign to a team, get sort of the rest of this season out of the way, or even if he gets a suspension and we sign him and then he does a suspension with us, it might be something we do a bit like the cream hunt stuff. Ian? I want nothing to do with Antonio Brown. I, I just do not like anything about the guy. You know, I obviously six-round pick made his way as one of the top receivers. But since then, he has done nothing but just piss away opportunity after opportunity. I mean – you saw James Harrison come on, you know, a lot of different TV shows saying, you know, what happens in the dark always comes to the light. This is a guy that, you know, is so in love with himself. 
He won't stay with the team at training camp when he was with the Steelers. He needed to get mentioned so all his friends could come out. His decision-making skills are about as poor as possible. I mean, when I started seeing the text messages that he was sending, intimidating the, the, the source for Robert Klemko's article, I mean, this guy, I don't know who is surrounding him. Too many yes-men, not enough people putting him in his place. I personally hope he sits out the entire year. I don't think he's earned the right to play in the NFL. Um, this is a guy that just has made continual bad decisions over the past, you know, who knows how long. I mean, this is just what we know about over the last year. But just the way he, he is, no thank you, no interest. And I think that that may be just a little bit too much for Dorsey to take on. Having, you know, spend a little bit of his personality capita with uh, Kareem Hunt. Stay away from Antonio Brown. I think he needs a little bit of time away to get his thoughts together. Yeah, well, our listeners, 85% don't want anything to do with him and 15% said, uh, sorry, they wouldn't be annoyed. So 85% would be annoyed, 15% would be okay with uh, signing him. But yeah, myself, my view is I don't want another repeat of Josh Gordon. It's been relatively okay during the summer and all that hope that Josh Gordon gave us led to nothing. So uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want anything to do with him, to be honest. I think the 85% just shows how smart the audience is. But the contrast between Gordon and Brown is at least Josh Gordon, by all accounts, is a nice guy. I mean, yes, he has substance abuse problems. But, you know, the few people that I know that know him have said nothing but great things about him. He's a troubled guy with a high amount of talent. Antonio Brown is a problem. I mean, he is a locker room cancer. He is a guy that obviously is distracting. I mean, we saw what he did with Derek Carr. I just, I, I didn't mind the Josh Gordon thing because, you know, here was just a guy battling a personal demon. Antonio Brown's got a lot larger issues than, than Josh Gordon, in my opinion. The important thing to remember, though, as Browns fans is it was probably the same 85% roughly when a poll was probably done of Kareem Hunt. John Dorsey doesn't care about public opinion. He doesn't care what um, people are going to make of it. If he can go out and sign someone, he did it with Tyreek Hill. Domestic violence is not an issue when he looks at his roster and thinks about winning. So it's going to be one keep an eye on. Don't, don't, I'm never going to be surprised now if John Dorsey um, picks up the phone and makes a deal for someone. So never rule it out. I think... AB's probably going to spend at least the next sort of four to six weeks away from the game. But um, if he's desperate, wants to come make some money, then I never say no to a deal getting done. The, the guy can play football. Um, I don't want him anywhere near the team, but Dorsey's shown. Dorsey isn't one for public opinion. He wants to get wins, and he's willing to use every asset that's disposable to do it. All right, guys, last 10 seconds. Jack, where are you watching the game? Uh, I'll be watching the game at home because I'm at Chelsea Liverpool all day um, so I'll get home at sort of 11 o'clock at night probably get a couple of hours sleep and then the game kicks off 1.20 in the morning same as myself Ian where are you going to be watching the game I will be teeing off bright and early in Berlin Wisconsin tomorrow morning heading back to the wonderful Chicago Illinois and will enjoy the game from the comfort of my own couch awesome well guys Ian I want to say it's an absolute pleasure you joining the podcast. Guys, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Thank you again, guys.